Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm a professor and an amateur bodybuilder. Hey, Rob Fortress Fortney, journalist, former competitive bodybuilder, competitive powerlifter, and uh, supreme commander of the air guitar. Ooh. And this is Phil Stevens. I, uh, I'm a powerlifter, Island Games athlete. I run Strength Guild in Topeka, Kansas, and uh, liftforhope.org. There you go. Fortress, you got some reader mail, I think. Yeah, well, we always get reader mail, but I, I, some of them, you know, just uh, demand nothing more than just a thank you uh, for yeah. writing in and listening to the show, and others um, ask questions that can very easily um, and succinctly be uh, answered again through a response email, and then you get ones that you think, huh, you know, this one would be good to throw out to each of us on the show for the benefit of our listeners, and uh, as well as the person who wrote in the email, and the one that... Uh, I'm going to read today, and then you can all chime in on, is from Ben. He loves the podcast, as always. Um, anyway, he's asking about dips. Do you guys do them? Do you think they are worth the shoulder risk? I ask that while fully acknowledging that it is our form in doing any exercise that puts us at risk and not the movement itself. Um, well, again, we can get to that, because I also have issues per, with that. That being said, I feel like I were read more and more how the shoulder is one of the more injury-prone pieces of the body. He's 32, he's male, he's fit and lean, he has uh, shoulder mobility issues, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he hasn't done them in months, but he thinks highly of them. Um, anyway, so there, that, that's what he's asking about dips. So, folks, what do you think about dips? Should I start off, I guess? Yeah, why don't you start, Fortress? Sure. All right. I think dips is an amazing exercise, but I also think that... Um, like some exercises that are actually amazing for putting on muscle, they actually can be, um, at least over time, degenerative towards you know a, a joint or a series of joints. Um, that, that's why I'm saying where he says here, um, um, he acknowledged that the form in doing any exercise is what puts the at risk, not the movement itself. I, I somewhat agree with that and somewhat don't when it concerns dips because although certainly there is... You know, more advised ways to do the exercise. Um, I do think, to a certain extent, that it is over time um, pretty corrosive <laughs> to some yeah. of the joints. That well, are what do we say? Just just a few weeks ago, that the bench press, regardless of form, uh, is mm -hmm. the most dangerous of the powerlifting movements. Yeah. I mean, because of the you know the shoulder, the incidence of shoulder injury in the bench press is simply higher than you see with lower back or anything else with the other movements. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. I so once, the I movement itself once, can be to blame, I think. Yeah. Right. I heard, you know, um, it said once that you know the reason would, primary reason for that would be that obviously the shoulder has so much more um, mobility. Um, yes. Ability. Anatomically. Yeah. Right. So, but, but you pay the price for that in that joint, the joint is less, you know, has less integrity overall. But anyway, um, besides that point, yeah, I think that. There are definitely the right and wrong ways to do the dips, um, and I was I was always 
taught that there's two different ways you could do the dips, whether you want to focus more on chest or more on triceps, and right. I'll highlight that just as a side note right now for anybody who's listening who wants to know. Um, if you can try and angle your hands um, so they're kind of the palms are facing back towards your body, so basically just have the bar instead of having the bar um, laterally in your hand like you normally would with something that's hanging from the side, you would just like turn your fingers forward on the bar. And as you're going down, have your body from the side almost in a V shape. So your legs are straight and out and forward in front of you and your torso is leaning forward and you, and you flare your elbows as much as possible and put your chin on your chest. And that, and I've done this over the years, but certainly a lot more when I used to be a bodybuilder, but, and that does very much focus the efforts on the stress onto your chest, your pectorals. Um, so again, you might have to <laughs> listen to my explanation there a few times, but I think I think you'll get it. Um, obviously, it would be much easier if people could see me doing it. But and if you want to do it for predominantly your tricep development, again, just hold the hold the grips, the handles of a you know a, a typical dipping type apparatus. Normally, have your 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 body totally upright through through the feet through the head, and then just dip down with the elbows tucked as close to the body as possible. And then straight back up. And that, right, that staying focuses. vertical. Right, vertical yeah, is that, possible. That focuses a heck of a lot more on your triceps. Both these met- methods, again, while are while they are productive for muscular development, I do think over time will create some sort of at least inflammation problems, just because of the nature of it. And certainly, when you get to be a certain strength or body weight, um, or add extra weight with one of those weight belts or something, where you're hanging the plates between your legs, that too will further that. So, do I think people should do them? Well, I did them for a lot of years, um, and I know a lot of people who have. I know a lot of people who have problems with them. So, who's to say? You know, it's kind of like that upright row thing, barbell upright rows, you know? Great. Yeah, I think it's, you know, Rob, I think it's one of those, uh, almost like a physical therapist, say, if it hurts, don't do it. You know, if it's really hurting you, that movement just may not agree with you very much, you know? Right. Uh, and, and, and again, I mean, as Lonnie's saying, I mean, you know, you might have no problems with that when you're 190 pounds and 22 years old, you know, but when you're 45 years old and, you know, 265 pounds, you know, and have to add an extra, you know, 345s hanging between your legs. No, that's think. a good point right there. Right so, there. Right. Uh, I mean, and, you, if you can do 20 reps, then load some weight on there, you know, uh, but I don't think you necessarily have to load so much weight that you can only do three or four and your shoulders are popping out of their joints, you know. Yeah, I, no, I don't uh, think that's an exercise, certainly. It's like a leg extension. I mean, I don't think really leg extensions are worth much of I've always actually enjoyed dips as sort of a pump movement, you know. Right, exactly. Uh, and, and certainly some... They, they sort of enhance muscularity, and that sounds, that's like gym science. That's not, you know, real science probably, but it feels like a nice pump, helps with muscularity. Right. And, and not to say you can't weight them. Sure you could. Oh, sure, of course yeah. you could. But again, a, really, it a, depends if it hurts, I think. To a lesser degree, I would say um, the same thing about dips. Well, actually, to a to greater degree, I would I would emphasize with dips. What I emphasize with most people for most movements is slow things down anyway. Um, you know, it, jockeying yourself up and down at Mach three speed is usually not a good idea for you know trying to prevent some sort of joint injury and certainly on an exercise like the like the dip that probably even goes more so. So slow things down. You know, try not to get yourself into a hyper stretched position with the shoulder and. Anybody who out there who has done dips knows what I'm talking about. You can you can actually get yourself once you're warmed up into a position where you're really hyper stretching. 
through the mm. shoulder joint and stuff, and I and certainly through the elbows. I think that's maybe not. Again, might maybe that might be better for achieving some sort of pump or so. But over time, that's not going to help. I, I I think it's it's a move that I just won't do anymore. It just tears up my elbows. No matter, I can do them one week and I'll, I'll be hurting for like four. Well, there um, you go. So I just gave up. Uh, I think you're right. People that are doing them. Uh, you don't need to go as deep as possible. I, I try to stop people if, if they're if their upper arms perpendicular to the floor. That's plenty deep, um, and a lot of people tend to not have problems then. But yeah. you know, it's one of those personal things. Like Lonnie was just saying, it hurts. Don't do it. So I mean, I tried and tried and tried to do them, and it just I got nothing but pain, so I just quit it. I can to this day do them for a week or two if I just decide to pull them in, which I very rarely do these days. But if I do. Um, I can do them for a week or two with no problems, and then by the third or fourth week, I'm starting to feel some some aggravation. So <laughs> that's my thing. And like I said, I I, I think an apt, uh, you know, uh, other movement to this one, as far as you know, the fact that it is beneficial, but it also can create problems, would be as I said before, something like a barbell upright row or something, which I always found extremely good for the shoulder girdle development overall. But over time, that's just going to grind your rotator cuff. And you know, that's funny you said that. I agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, I really do. Uh, like upright rows again, nice pump, a, a totally different kind of stress on the muscles, and yet, boy, you got to almost use those like a novelty. I think. Yeah, it feels it feels over time like you're starting to you know somebody's got a um, is grinding down the bones on that one. So and, and like again, there's there's a dozen or so exercises that would probably fall into that category. So so there you go. That's a long-winded answer uh, for you there, Ben. That that's our opinion from the three of us. Um, experiment with it. Slow down the reps if you're going to do it, and uh, yeah, just be mindful of how your body feels when you're doing it. And, and like Lonnie says, if it starts if it starts pissing you off. <laughs> and that's your body telling you it's pissing you off. So yeah, stop at least for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and okay. and you know, most people t- tell you. I mean, it's it's hard if you're a powerlifter or something where you're actually competing with the lifts outside of bodybuilding. Bodybuilding's more easy to kind of like just move away from one exercise as body and go to another one. Um, when you are a powerlifter or lifting lifter or something, there's certain movements that you have to do all the time. You know, so you're more faced with the idea of you know repetitive stress injury, kind of a thing. Um, but certainly the good thing about a thing like dips or upright rows or any of those types of exercises is that those are, are, are not competitive lifts in any sport, any discipline. So, you know, if, if, if it's getting on your nerves, there's always, you know, there's always other movements that can take their place. Whether they're a little bit better, a little bit worse, that's up for debate, but... Oh, you know, sure. At least you have that option. So, especially with that movement, yeah. I mean, when it comes, I mean, how many movements can you name that activate the pecs and the triceps at the same time? Many. Right. <laughs> yeah. There are many. Yeah. Right. And okay. you know, the thing is too. I mean, it's it's as a general rule of thumb, uh, multi joint movements are are more prone to putting on more overall mass and and diminishing, you know, just uh, you know joints stress. I mean, you look at even things like. Over the years, you know, I've read a lot and seen a lot and experienced a lot. When you're doing a lot of single joint stuff, specifically things like um, preacher bench curls and things like that, those things over time will absolutely destroy your elbows. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, you're putting your, it's, it's they're just very unnatural movements. Um, so of course, then you tell somebody to do that, and they say, "Okay, well, I'll do you know standing barbell curls." But then they get the wrong idea, and you know, use that as an excuse to cheat their ass off. Um, there's a way. I, I always, Lonnie knows. I always kind of call it body English. Um, 
And there's and, and certainly when you look at a lot of what what is considered the you know weeder principles, one is the cheat principle. Um, young people, newbies, will always think cheat really means to cheat in a way that just um, makes things easier. When people who are you know intermediate and certainly more advanced understand that what is the cheat principle and cheating in an exercise is far from that. It's to actually extend the set and actually <clears throat> enhance the stress on the muscle or muscles that you're trying to do. So if you're doing like a bicep curl or something like that, there's a way to actually, or even something like, uh, even just last week I was doing bent barbell rows and I was trying to explain to this kid that was asking me questions the difference between what I call is, you know, you, you know when you see bent over barbell rows, you see guys ducking into the weight. They're not pulling it straight through up into their self. They're almost kind of half pulling it up and actually dropping their body into the bar. Um, he didn't seem to understand the difference between that and what I was trying to explain to him about, you know, natural body English on that movement where you're kind of um, hinging at the hips kind of, so you're getting more of a stretch through the lats, but it's not actually aiding in the actual, you know, contraction up through with the bar. So, and these are all things that we're always talking about week to week about, you know, it's just it's just time under the bar, time training, you know, experience doing it. You know, I could tell you this stuff until I'm blue in the face, but if you actually don't get the, the, the gym and experience for yourself, you know, you're never going to fully understand it. Then, um, of course, that goes with the whole dip thing that I was telling you about the two different ways you can do dips to, you know, focus the stress um, on different parts of the muscles. So, yeah, experience can't beat it. All right. Well, let's see what else we're on our list here. Um, oh, I was going to just, we got an interesting iTunes review. I just thought I would share this with you guys. This is just a few days ago from uh, Callum41. He says, and Rob, this might affect you during the episode. We'll see. Okay. He says, uh, having recently returned to lifting a year and a half ago after being away from the gym for th- about 13 years, oh, wow. this podcast has been a great source of inspiration and information. Hmm. Being an older guy, 43, it's nice to know I'm not the only one with aches and pains. We must bitch a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he says, Fortress, if we could get you to talk consistently louder, that would be awesome. I usually oh. listen to the podcast while commuting to and from work and find myself having to raise the volume when you speak and lowering it when Lonnie or Phil chime in. Oh. Keep up keep up the great podcast, guys. I look forward to each episode. That's because I'm trying to talk all the way up from here from Canada. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm screaming as loud as I can into a, into a mic that Phil's holding up from the States. I am going to recommend something um, for this gentleman. Uh, try headphones... Or try it on a different radio. Rob has a deep voice, and sometimes if your setup is bass-oriented, uh, Rob will sound quiet. But Rob has a radio voice. I mean, he should be coming through very well, I would think. Uh, and it really depends. So maybe just try it with headphones or on another uh, a computer or system or whatever and uh, and see if it's any different. It may be you could just tweak your settings with your uh, little equalizer or something as well. Just or maybe a I'm just so damn boring that he just nods off and he thinks he didn't hear me. <laughs> That's what it is. And you, you start one of your rants. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. <laughs> nice. All right. I'm going to, I want to offer a little rant here. Uh, I, I know you guys have seen this too. And I think a lot of lifters have. And I am not, um, I'm not being, uh, discriminatory or anything, but I have just encountered an ocean of super obese people lately. Not just that we're obese, but are broken. They're physically broken. Like, when you watch them walk, their locomotion is, their feet are 
pointed almost directly out their toes lateral to their body. You know what I mean? And I'm like, the human foot is meant to walk heel toe, you know, or at least pointed forward. And yours, you're using yours horizontally because your bones are so twisted. You're so orthopedically broken from your severe obesity. They're almost walking on the medial malleolus, on the inner ankle bone. And I'm like, oh, God, every step looks painful. So let me share something here. This is a little bit older paper. It's about five years old. It's from Finkelstein at American Journal of Health Promotion. The relationship between obesity and injuries among U.S. adults. And I'm just going to be very brief. Results. Again, this is 42,000 people they looked at. Slightly more than one in five adults sustain an injury each year that requires medical treatment. The odds of sustaining an injury are 15% higher if you're merely overweight to 48% higher for the class three obese. Mm. Uh, so when I look at these people, you know, maybe they are broken. Maybe they are indeed broken. Um, and I'm, oh, I, you know what it's like. You walk into Walmart and people are scooting around on a, um, motorized cart with an oxygen tank. Now, yes, if you've got lots of medical disorders, I'm not saying, you know, there's anything necessarily bad. It's just a sad commentary on how little people move. And I'm going to add one other thing too, because that other paper was old. This is from Diabetes, July 2012. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Monounsaturated fats prevent the aversive effects of obesity on locomotion. Uh, so what they did was they hooked up uh, rodents to radio telemetry so they could see how much they move. Look at this. Radio telemetry revealed a significant decrease in brain, you know, cortical activity in saturated fat-fed mice, whereas monounsaturated fat-fed mice had improved activity. And then down at the bottom it says, together dietary intake of MUFAs, uh, you know, olive oil, peanut butter, stuff like that, promoted insulin action in the brain and had beneficial effects on both locomotion and sleep. So I feel like, you know, shouting at some of the people I've seen lately, eat some frickin' peanut butter. Uh, you know, yeah. practice moving. Get up and move around, even if it's just a little. You know, last week Dan John said something about he thought curves did some things right. And if they are doing one thing right, they start off very wimpy and they have a very slow progression kind of model. But, you know, when you take someone who's that broken, it's essentially rehab. You know, you get some of these fitness, uh, quote unquote, experts or, you know, you see them on TV, too. They're pushing these super obese people. Come on, more. I'm like, you guys are a liability. Who? What insurance company would touch you guys? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but anyway, there, I've just, I've seen one after another. I mean, at one point, I think it was last week, I looked around and every single person around me was morbidly obese. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, shuffling like zombies. And I thought, oh, God, we are screwed, you yeah, know, as a society. You know, and I can say as a Canadian that's lived a couple different times in the States, you know, uh, Lonnie's home state there, Ohio. And I used to talk about this with you, Lonnie, and you'll remember it. There certainly are a lot of, you know, overweight, chunky people in Canada. Um, you know, chunky being, you know, considerably down from anything that would be considered obese. But yeah, fat, Just chunky. Overweight. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I was shocked the first time I moved to the States um, and, you know, walked among Americans <laughs> at the, the obesity. It was, I mean, you, you'll recall, Lonnie, a couple times we'd be in a car or something and we'd just, and I, I'd, you know, verbalize just, you know, just dismay at somebody walking in front of the car or something. It just, wow. 
You know, yeah, and it's, but you know what I'm saying too. It's not just that they're walking. Like I saw a guy this morning, the the lateral swing of his arms back and forth was like you know his hands were swinging two feet away from his body laterally, not forward. You know, when you think about someone walking, you know, they alternate arms and legs basically in a forward to back sort of sagittal kind of way. Now not you're just, sure this wasn't imaginary lat syndrome? No. <laughs> <laughs> the point being is, you know, they're compensating orthopedically so bad, or they rock back and forth because their hips yeah. are so shot. You know what I mean? And they just seem, I feel like I'm a, I'm surrounded by peop, broken people. They're broken. Yeah. yeah. Their the, frames the, are broken. The whole, the, the whole thing in North America, and, you know, mo, more specifically the United States of America, to me seems that um, much as what is considered the middle class seems to be disappearing um average people seem to be disappearing if you guys know what i mean yeah you get either like you're talking about lonnie people who are just just gone or you get people who are essentially health fanatics or you know like extreme athletes or something almost specialists in a way exactly so you get you know you you don't get this kind of like the the whole idea of just a person that's in a generally good everyday every man shape that 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 branch of, of Human seems to be disappearing, you know, and because yeah. uh, of the whole idea, even even a chunky person doesn't seem to be existing anymore. It's like one or the other. You're either a fat bastard, <laughs> or, excuse my language, or you're, you know, like I said, you're you're a hyper athlete. Well, or, it's sad, and it yeah. really strikes me that obesity is a disease. And I think listeners don't take for granted how we're hyperfunctional. I mean, you know, I mean, not only could these people not get out of the Walmart that's burning down around them, I mean, they would just they, they would shuffle and crawl and waddle toward the doors while they burned alive you know i mean seriously whereas we shouldn't take for granted we could probably grab one or two of these people and <laughs> drag them out with us you know yeah. i mean so at least we're functional and like you said yeah. rob it, it, unless you purposely fight it uh yeah. it's almost like charles used to say let go the opposite of what everybody else is doing but i yeah i say if you don't purposely fight it society is going to make you it's going to make you a broken your frame is going to be broken you know. Well, you guys down there have some tasty grub, I'll tell you that. Because when we, we used to go to the restaurants, I mean, you know, we have some good restaurants here in Canada, certainly. Um, but I'll tell you, man, down there, the, I guess all that butter and the, the proportion sizes and the... It blew my mind. And like I say, I get, make no mistake, it is tasty. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, Lonnie and I used to go and have breakfast at Bob Evans down there and stuff. And, I mean, I love that place to death. But I'm telling you, man, if you... If you allow yourself to just indulge in what they constantly, I mean, and you're not, and, and the, the kicker to that is you're not doing something physically yeah. to counterbalance that. The only thing, reason guys, you know, guys like Phil and I get away with some of our eating, not, not our ridiculous eating habits is because we're, you know, we're like, you know, burning the living crap out of it constantly. Right. It's and, almost like a hundred years ago, farmers would go put in three hours before breakfast. Mm-hmm. Then you can woof down, you know, the half yeah. a pound of bacon and eggs and everything else and, not, and real butter, yeah, and more or less get away with it. Right. You know. So, yeah, I mean, and, you know, even things like dr- drinks. I mean, I, I laugh at all these sports drinks now that are everywhere. And in Canada, they're trying to see if they, they can somehow legally regulate them and so forth because of, you know, the health problems that they're saying, you know, could be encountered with children and that using these or even adults. Um, but, you know, even you look at those drinks themselves. I mean, those drinks are... I mean, my God. I mean, I would have a problem drinking, you know, a Red Bull. Um, you know, and you see, it, you, and the only time I would ever even consider doing something like that is 
right before I went to train or right after, mm. something like that. You know, sometimes we've talked on the podcast, Lonnie and I, about, you know, sometimes you just feel like that can of classic Coke after you squat, you know, in the middle of summer. But that's you know, being and, depleted almost. Right, exactly. You know. But, I mean, I see kids all the time walking around with these, and the cans of these these drinks are not just normal freaking, like, Coke cans. I mean, they're, yeah. they're like, you guys know what I'm talking about. They look like barrels. Well, if they you call know, them sports drinks, then every armchair quarterback, you know, he does something that he considers a workout, you know, that most of us would frankly laugh at. And then, you know, he feels like he should, you know, it, it makes him feel manly to chug the 32 ounce of sugar water, you know, the, the Gatorade or whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, like, yeah. Put put back what's in you. Put back what you've lost. You haven't lost anything. You haven't earned any extra carbohydrates, bro. Yeah. You know, and I went and saw just recently, I went and saw... Um, Prometheus, the movie, Ridley Scott movie, and they were, of course, you know, now it's not just that you're watching a few trailers before a movie, but now they actually have the ads, of course, before. Um, and they, there was this one that was playing, and it was, I think it might have been for Gatorade, but it was one of those um, sports drinks, which, by the way, I have nothing against, you know, everything has its place. But the whole, and I turned to the guy I went with, because the whole commercial was showing these elite performance athletes you know i guess it was kind of a ramp up to the olympics type thing you know it had the the sprinter guy and the and the the world-class swimmer and you know showed them all bust and tail in their individual events you know and yeah like you're saying lonnie all the slogans and stuff of you know like put back what you you know uh hydrate for strength and eat for this and and i and i turned to the guy and i said you know this is all really motivating and stuff for me because i actually do something but what is this telling 99% of people watching this? Because let's be realistic. The majority of people, and I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else, but, I mean, the majority of people are not athletes. Yeah. You know? And it's like, it's like, what, what is this telling them? Like, like, and this is, I'm only thinking about this because of what you just said, Lonnie, but the whole idea that they, they're fooling armchair people. Mm-hmm. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that guy busting tail on his bike in his Tour de France. I want to be that guy. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I don't actually want to do the activity, but I want to somehow feel connected to right. that. World. I want to wear his clothes and drink his beverages. Right. So yeah. when I next time I stop off in the variety store, I'm going to pick that thing up. You know, and like you say, yeah, they drive down the street and they chug the thing. And it's like, like you said, it's it's sugar water, man. I mean, it's like, you know, you have to earn the right to do that kind of stuff. That's what I always say, and Lonnie always knows. I always used to always say, you know, I love to be a couch potato. I love watching movies and being couch potato. I love that. But I always, always have believed I have to earn the right to sit my ass down and do that. I think any of the three of us, if we stopped lifting altogether, like let's say an injury and then we just got away from it, the way we eat, I don't eat as much as you guys, but, you know, <laughs> I, I don't have any problem with more. Like, you know, I was moving furniture all day yesterday. I wiped out a, a pizza, a, a large pizza, dipped it in salty garlic butter i just felt depleted you know i'm like shaking but the point is we eat so much that we would become beanbag chairs if oh, we yeah. stopped lifting all together yeah. so we're gonna have to be careful one day you know my only saving grace is and i've said this on the show before i am actually naturally not a large eater i can eat a large amount at one sitting if i choose to but my natural inclination is not to eat a lot I would well, be very, I would be very happy eating once or twice a day. I really would, and maybe that's just because of there's, you know, maybe I'm only saying that because I've had too many years of having to force feed myself so much food that, mm. you know, you kind of start getting turned off the idea of even having a, a meal, you know. And it's not the, it's not the food itself with me. I've realized it's just the, it's, it's, it's the burdensome of actually having to take the time to eat it. You're just yeah. like, oh man, you know, great, another 20 minutes sitting there, you know, chugging food down my pie, pie hole, but. No, I think that is a big part of it. When you have to eat, it just makes it 
It's like the, you know, I, I just dug a hole in the backyard and I keep telling my daughter, quit, because I gotta lay frickin' power line in it. Quit throwing dirt in my hole and the minute I want the dirt in there and tell her to put dirt in it, she won't want to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. One of those Human things. nature. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, it's interesting, and it's interesting to me to bring up there, Lonnie, because I, I, I definitely, I mean, I don't think it's a, a, an epidemic problem. I, we all know it's an epidemic problem. This whole, you know, um, proponents of obesity and so forth, and it can be, like you say, it can actually be very alarming, you know, to anybody who's a semi-feeling, you know, person of humanity. Um, you see that, and you're just like, you know, that's it kind of reflects back on you as kind of feeling bad about the species. Like, come on guys. Like, you know, yeah. and this is, that exactly. we're not making, and we're not making commentary on the worth of the person as a, as our, no, kid. like you said, come on guys, we're better than this. I mean, exactly, exactly. Is it, you you I, look diseased, you look ill, you're broken, you know, yeah. raise the standard, raise the game. I'd, we'd all say the same thing. about. But it's money. like you said though, the fitness industry, what we keep, um, teaching and encouraging, uh, is constantly being countered by multi-million dollar advertising. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rob, when you were down here, you pointed out, you know, look at your candy aisle. Holy crap. Oh, you God. have like a million different candy bars. Yep. Yep. I tweeted about it just the other day. I took a picture, and I'm like, you know, we wonder why we're all fat. There's not exactly fiber or protein-type foods in the aisle when you check out. You know, they are marketing to you right up to the point that you give your money to the cashier. You know, you know, and you, and you know the, the, the grocery store that I used um, you know, frequent down there when I'd buy the food, you know, I would be alarmed because it would be like, you know, two or three aisles of potato chips, pop, junk, you know, and then you'd, you'd, you'd kind of look at the, the ratio of, you know, the two or three aisles of that for stuff that was, you know, maybe natural product, natural food products or nuts or anything like that, that, and, you know, oatmeals and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it was like, you know, maybe one or two aisles. And, and it really does oh, yeah. expose that whole thing, you know, and it's, and I think that's why most people have to actually consciously, you know, people who are not like us and, you know, focus on a specific, you know, um, better ourselves physically, but at least just want to maintain a semblance of kind of, you know, health. You have to consciously think when you walk in these places. I mean, yeah, they're brainwashing you. They're, they're focusing you on what, what, where they want right. you to go. And certainly yeah. don't go in there when you're hungry. I mean, yeah. walking into one of those sin, sin pits, <laughs> dens of <laughs> sin, being hung, starving. <laughs> Oh, forget it. You're doomed. Yeah. You know, you think no, you're going to head right for the oatmeal? Probably not. Yeah. On a related topic, I mean, we were, uh, me and my wife were in the store the other day and checking out, and in front of us were four of the uh, people Lonnie's talking about that are basically, you know, they're poisoned and diseased. And they had two full carts of stuff. The front cart was totally packed full of Coca-Cola classic. The whole thing. I mean, that was 16, 17 cases. And the other box, the other one was just boxes of pre-made junk, and uh, proceeded to check out with a vision card, which is pretty much they're on they're on welfare. Oh lord! You know, so they're using they're using our tax dollars to to further their their problem. Yeah, they're mandated. You know, and there wasn't a yeah. bit of real food. Yeah, you know, well, actual food, right? Like yeah. vegetables, lean meats. No, not right. a thing. You know, anything in that cart had a shelf life of about six years. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and they're all blood sugar nightmares. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, okay. I'll tell you what, guys. Let's let's go ahead and take a, a quick break. We're going to come back with a, a brief announcement about our summer fundraiser, and then our topic for today is really just um, what we've been doing in the gym lately. We're just going to have some straight up gym talk. So, we'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us on other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Weekly Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, we're back. Oh, and everyone, I wanted to offer something. I uh, didn't include this in the news. I just did an interview with Scott uh, Iardella. Rob mentioned him, I think, last week, uh, partly about the the new protein book, and I was really trying to give him as much advice to his listeners about um, protein as possible, how much you know I think people should consume and all that sort of thing. But the point is, I really think uh, one of the – my personal goals is to try to reach out and be on other podcasts because I think we have almost a podcast community in the strength and fitness world. I think the problem though is it's a bit of a minefield and some of it's very cheesy, you know, and I don't think any of us, are, we're not going to fit that model very much because the, if the co-host starts rambling on with some kind of, uh, you know, nonsense, we're just going to tell him he's full of it, <laughs> get kicked off the show or something. But anyway, um, so when I get details on that, Scott Iardella, uh, he's got his own podcast, and uh, and I'll spread that around. So nice. Um, in other news, summer fundraiser. Uh, everybody, we are trying to run a summer fundraiser. Uh, and for those who are new, we use funds for two things. One is to pay for the website and the bandwidth, and especially to help prepare for the increase in bandwidth as the podcast has grown from a couple hundred to a couple thousand to actually several thousand. Uh, we, that costs money, right? And I don't want anybody to hit download in iTunes and it says, you know, some message about exceeded bandwidth from the server. So we so we use it for that, and we also are using it for what we've been sort of covertly calling the next big thing. We've got plans to take any kind of funds that we have left over after the online stuff and give it back to listeners. And I think you're going to be very surprised with that. So if you can... We have a button on ironradio.org. You could just hit, um, you know, I think it's called a subscribe button, and you could do a, that sets you up to be a $4 a month um, supporting member. So you're long term. But we also accept the regular donation button. We've had some great donations from people across the country and indeed the world. Uh, it, it could be 10 bucks. Uh, once it was $350, believe it or not. So some people are like, wow, you know, I like this public radio format. We don't want a bunch of ads corrupting this and turning it into a, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to refrain. 
<laughs> I almost brought up a, a company that Rob was once associated with that he walked away from. But anyway, so yeah, it, it keeps it uh, as, as, as pure as possible. So if you can be a supporting member or a one-time donor, boy, we really appreciate it, and we really do give it back. I mean, we really do. I, I in the past, I've also used the money, uh, very small amounts of it here and there, to help students go to uh, sports nutrition meetings and stuff like that. So there's a, a sort of a charity component there as well. So thank you, those who continue to support us. I know there's been a couple people who uh, who couldn't continue, and you know what? I make sure I send them a thank you for helping while you could, because there's a lot of young people, not just young guys, but people in general, who they rely on the donors who can help us, who can support us, uh, you know, to keep the information and, you know, a little bit of the gym talk and motivation rolling. So was it wrong that I've used some of those funds for the 1-800-PARTY line? Is that... Is that, is no, that, that's the, that's what I was just going to mention. I said, um, you know, it's a it's a great fact that everybody should know is that we've been doing this for what this is year four, yeah, and none of us has taken as much as a nickel of to our own for in our own pockets. Yep, you know, we we haven't made a thing. So, yep. The closest I did to that was yeah, I'm calling. I crashed in the hotel room that I paid for the students. <laughs> that's the closest yeah. I got to using any of it myself. Yeah, so. I'm calling from a phone booth. There you go. I'm homeless. <laughs> <laughs> and yet I'm here every week. <laughs> okay. Let's 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 talk gym talk. I know uh, a lot of comments we get on iTunes and in emails are just like, "Hey, I like when you guys just talk about what's happening in the gym." Phil, you said you there's some stuff going on with you. Yeah, I'm uh, I just saw my doctor again what Tuesday. And stuff's taken off, so he says it's looking good. Um I'll be cleared to try and pick up a dump truck in six weeks. So I I get a deadlift 225 this week. I did my first chin-up, and it was easy. It was just kind of scary. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, stuff okay. like that, and just coming along slow. And uh, But uh, I'm feeling good. I, I went in and squatted the first time with a uh, a straight bar last weekend and hit uh, 545 fairly easy without. Ooh. I haven't squatted in nine weeks. So so nothing um, freaky with your with your arm. No, no, it was good. It was good. I mean, not uh, that there would be necessarily, but yeah, that's a lot of weight. So yeah, so I mean, no, that went that went well. Um, yeah, it's coming right along. So I'll start training up for this meet. And the, the big thing is, uh, I'm gonna try and go double overhand. Um, so we'll see. Do you have, um, big, do you have big hands? No, not really. I mean, no. fairly. My problem is I got a short thumb, so it makes hook grip hard. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with it and see if I can get it. Uh, it, it feels real comfortable aside from crushing my thumb, but. Uh, the the polling the polling stance, but like I said, I'll I'll be deadlifting 225 for the first time this week. Yeah. And then uh, other than that, man, it's been crazy. I've got uh, over the next two weeks, we should finish our gym expansion. I'm pouring concrete this weekend. Um, gained about eight more members this week. We probably have the uh, powerlifting team with the most women on it. I think I'm bringing like 26 people to a meet in Branson, and wow, 22 of them are women. So. Um, yeah, and if it all goes well, we'll have four women, I think, deadlift over 300. I'm, uh, and I'm assuming all your members are uh, regular listeners of Iron Radio? Of course. Right. Of course. And, well, uh, good luck, ladies. That's that's awesome. Yeah. I, I actually, I actually, and, and you guys know I'm, I'm talking genuinely, I actually like that. I, yeah, I no, like it's pretty fun. Women. I think that's great, man. Like, I, good for them. You know? Yeah, it's pretty fun. We've got a, so this will be the first time I've had a team. You have, you have to have eight lifters in, in eight different weight classes. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah I like the team thing a lot. I wish there was more of that. 
Yeah. Mm. So it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, we've got league people of all different sizes. I think our lightest lifter is a 118, and all the way up to, well, I'm probably our heaviest. It's the 275. Yeah. But uh, so nice. Yeah, it's good, good times. Been busy, but fun and hotter than hell here. But so. Yeah. Is your gym your gym's not air conditioned, is it? Phil? No, we don't have air conditioning. We, Man, we turn on the heat either. in winter, but uh, we got a fan recently, and that's amazing. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know what? We were talking about how Americans are sort of overindulgent and, and broken down. I, it, you know, there was all this stuff on the news about, oh my God, you know, these people are without air conditioning, and I'm thinking people <laughs> in India or China or South America, they're probably thinking. Soft Americans, they can't live oh, yeah. without AC. Now, I'm, don't get me wrong. I know there are elderly and children, and there are actually deaths from heat. But you know what I'm saying? Other countries, they must almost find that comical. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you it's know. like you know, sometimes you know, I'm going to drive to the gym or whatever, you know, and you see the guy come up beside because it's been terribly hot up here for the last couple of weeks too, and you know, you see the classic 110 pound woman and you know, a, a moving barge for a vehicle, you know, with the windows all cranked up and sealed in her little little environment there and you know that the air is cranked and I'm thinking to myself come on people you know what I mean like air is a great thing I'm not going to say I don't enjoy air but you know there's it, it, come on let's 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 accept you know just like I say you know like when it's winter it's winter it's cold big deal if, if it's hot it's hot big deal you complain uh, about it a bit sure do I, I think we actually lose the ability to thermoregulate you know I mean you never acclimatize because you're always in front of an icy air conditioner, and then and then what? Then you're left without it and you you, you die because, <laughs> right. because you, your body doesn't even remember how to sweat. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like air conditioning. I, I like training without it, but it, yeah, not sleeping. If, if if it wasn't for air conditioning, I would be migratory. I would. I mean, I'd, I'd be traveling up north in the in the summer and south in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I agree. The, the uh, you know when I train, I uh, that's the one time where I really don't. And winter is my favorite season. So I'm I, I, and summer's a distant fourth. So, um, but yeah, when I'm in the gym, that's the one time where I really don't mind if it's blazing hot. Yeah. Now, Isn't now, that funny? I don't, I don't know why. I think it's the same reason that you look down at yourself when you're done and you've got bruises across your hips or. Sometimes knee wraps, or you know what I mean. You're almost like um, the adrenaline is flowing and the aggression a little bit, and you don't notice the discomfort. You know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. like yeah. So there's sweat rolling off. Normally that irritates me, right? Because I mean, Rob, I'm as bald as you are, and the, the water yeah. just runs straight into my face. Right. But in the gym, I don't know. I kind of don't care. I you're like Arnold used to say, a bomb could be going off around you, and you wouldn't notice. Yeah. You know. Plus, it obviously just facilitates. I mean, like I say, my favorite season is winter, but I'm the first one. And actually, I, generally speaking, believe that I have wonderful sessions in the winter. But I'm not going to lie and say that it doesn't take me, you know, uh, oftentimes, uh, you know, at least several more minutes to kind of find the groove because you're just, you know, if you're coming out of the, you know, minus 15 degree weather blizzard you're just stepping out of that i mean you, you, you know if you're in your your plan that day to put 500 pounds in the back you gotta you gotta be a little bit more mindful of the fact that your body is you know pretty chilly so but yeah. when, when it's blazing it's yeah. 30 degrees out and you're walking to the gym i mean warm-ups can you know even when you're old bastards like us 40s you know you can walk into the gym and be like you know one or two just high you know sets and you're like oh i'm i'm ready to rock so yeah. 
You it's know, true. It, I often start a workout with like a, a ten minute. I'll get on the treadmill just to kind of you know listen to my headphones and give myself that sort of mini you know uh, chance to get my head into things if I haven't. I'll just yeah. ramp the treadmill up one percent grade each minute. You know, go from one to ten. You know, while I'm blasting the headphones, just give me that ten minutes. And actually, it's been so freaking hot. You know, with the triple degree heat and stuff lately. And I'm so warm and loose walking up. I mean, my back's like, you ready to go? I'm ready, you yeah. know. And so yeah. I almost have to force myself to do that at all um, because there's there's the warm-up part of it is completely unnecessary. The psych yeah. part's still helpful. But Yeah. Well, and that's why I always say to people, like, I mean, there's there's a difference. I mean, there's, there's warm-ups and then there's, you know, um, you know just kind of like brush-up, neuromuscular brush-up sets. You know, and and yeah, like when it's blazing hot out, you don't really even need warm up sets. No. You know, just kind of like I said, a couple preliminaries just to kind of get your body, you know, firing in the pattern that you want it to. You're good to yeah. go. I mean, I'm notorious in my gym for going to the gym and, you know, doing one set of five with 135 in the deadlift and then going to 600 pounds. Like, and I do that all the time. I mean, you know, when I when I pulled my 650 there um, late last year, I literally, I think I did two or three reps with 135 backstage. Then I walked out and just pulled six fifty. I mean, and I have no problem with that. Now, I'm not suggesting that somebody who's new to it should necessarily make those kind of leaps, but you know, all I'm saying is, you know, it's there is a difference sometimes between again between a warm up and what I what I call sometimes groove sets. You know, which is essentially again finding kind of just you know a brush up on your coordination. But I mean. You know, when you're warmed up, go for it, man. Don't spend all freaking day. You know, don't don't yeah. like all these pyramid guys that you know their top weight and bench press for the day is you know hopefully 225, and you know you see them for the last set before 225 doing 185, you know, to to negative failure for 15. <laughs> I don't I don't understand that. You know, I don't understand that. It's like, you know, the money sets the 225 there, folks. Yeah. You know, so why would you rather not get eight good ones with 225? Yeah. Versus three or four crummy, crummy ones, because you, you know, because you did a, a paralyzing set with you know a subway. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. No, so, not at all. Um, so yeah, make, make sure that you people out there, you know, realize that those two things are different, man. When you're warmed, get to your work sets. Mm-hmm. And like I say, bear in mind that, that the temperature and all that kind of thing. Like Lonnie's saying, when you walk in the gym, take mental stock of your body. How do I feel today? Do I feel loose and limber? You know, do I feel coordinated today? I feel like I'm stumbling around, kind of. And you know. here's a suggestion too. I mean, along the lines of what you were just saying, is I'll go in, and if it's very warm, I'll just do like two or three reps. I'll do, you know, two and two or three reps with the bar, then 135, then 230, yeah. 225, yeah. then 315. But literally two or three reps, you know, yeah. just yeah. to yeah. say, hey, hey, joints, here it comes, yep. you know. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So anyway. that's yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, I warm up a little more than Rob was just talking about, but if I'm warming up at all, it's like in a deadlift, I'm going to do it with 135. From there on out, it singles on up. Top right, top. right, and, and that's and that basically is what I'm saying too. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying make these massive jumps, but at the very least, like Phil's saying, don't do all your reps warm up with with what like three four hundred pounds. I mean, it just, yeah. just doesn't make any bloody sense. If you're yeah, gonna no. if you're gonna make those small just uh, leaps, do what Phil's saying and do your two sets of ten with 135, and then like he's saying do. Or Lonnie's saying do doubles or triples or singles all the way up with yeah, you know, intermittent. Exactly. Otherwise, it's junk, junk reps. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're just adding, like we always say, you're just adding mileage, and in the in the, in the immediate, you're just crushing your own, your own ability to uh, you know hit maximum reps with your again your money sets. So, yep. Rob, you mentioned training in the cold. I think even if it, it of course, it gets cold here as well, uh, and it was it was re- just foolishly cold when I was in Minnesota. I mean, sixty below with the wind chill and stuff. Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. But 
even then, it would be something like literally I would do two sets with the bar 135, and I might be doing 10 or 15 reps, but you know that's it's almost like a completely different purpose. I mean that that has that's so light it does nothing for my muscles essentially. Yeah. You know, right, right. it's just it's just trying to warm your core and get your joints going a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, it can be to people who are not used to that. I mean, you know, there's there's been times in my life where I've lived, you know, further north in Ontario and so forth, you know, and where you know an average temperature would be like you know minus twenty, minus thirty. You know, that's not that's without the wind chill. So, you know, and I mean, you know, and sometimes you gotta you know you gotta bite your ass to get to the gym, you know, and you're kind of walking in there, you know, looking like one of those obese people because you're just you're, you're so frozen, and you walk yeah. in there. Oh yeah, you're you're, you're walking you, all broken. Yeah. You know, you get in there and you, you know, you sit in the change room and you're pulling your boots off and your jacket, your scarves and stuff, and you're thinking, oh my god, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm at least half an hour from even feeling slightly warm. So right, yeah, you know, so yeah, it, it, it can be nice on those hot days to not have to worry that you know, just put the shorts on, the t-shirt, you grab your belt, and you go to the gym, and you're like, hey man, right on. You're walking in there and you feel like, you know, a gymnast that's so hot, you're so loose and limber. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to uh, just share. I've been doing a little experiment lately. Because I've been moving a lot, uh, yesterday I spent about 10 hours moving stuff again. Just crazy the amount of stuff, you know, into a storage unit, into the house, back and forth. So it's very sort of exhaustive. And it's was, funny it your, how th- was it your button and stamp collections? Actually, I do have an old stamp collection. I'm a bit of a geek. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> you never know what those are going to be worth one day, man. That's true. <laughs> anyway, anyway... Uh, I, I, my training, I've been training about twice a week. So, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm getting a lot of momentum going. And it, this isn't just because I'm moving furniture, but because I'm, I'm doing all of this sort of, you know, life stuff. But I, I thought I would take the opportunity and I, I wanted to tr- try something. Phil's always talking about how people ignore their posterior chain. And I've always, you know, just the way I've squatted, I've always gotten sore all the way up my backside. You know, I mean, hams, adductors, glutes. So, I squatted for the first time uh, after like a two-week layoff, and sure enough, I got real sore, you know, up up the hamstrings, you know, the medial side there, you know, you'd like to add those big adductors and glutes. I mean, just rocked with soreness. And but what I noticed was my quads weren't sore at all. My quads proper just didn't get sore at all. And I'm like, wow, I, you know, because I'm just so used to squatting fairly wide, not not super wide, but you know, a little more than shoulder width, pushing with my heels and all that kind of stuff. So I guess it's, I'm not much of a bodybuilder type squatter. But so the next week I went in and I'm like, you know, I didn't really touch my quads last time. I never really focused on my quads. Even though I have big legs, I think a lot of it's, well, maybe it's quads too, but that's sort of genetic. But the point being is I wanted to just focus on my uh, quads. So you guys could probably guess what I did. Yep. I just put like 135 and 185 across the front and I, I was just straight up and down with the front squats. A, it sort of spares my back a little, you know, because I'm not pull, leaning forward so far. Huh? Did you pull your stance in? Or did you yes, pull? actually, yes. Okay. And sure enough, I mean, you know, this is like doing an uh, electromyography experiment or something. Sure enough, the next day, quads rocked, nothing else. Yeah. So it's, it's just amazing that, because I tend to get very sore, uh, I think more often than a lot of people. Uh, but anyway, because I've had some time away from it, it was especially evident. So yeah. uh, I'm going to play around with adding front squats and see if I can't make my quads just sort of grotesque. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm so used to having my wife always you know, calls it my horse's ass, or sometimes she'll say, do you mean you're a horse's ass? 
Uh, no. Well, I you know, for, for our listeners out there, I, I can tell you right now that Lonnie is not, uh, you know, like his because he also has small joints and stuff, and you do have a, a, that really kind of billowing thigh musculature. Um, you're one of those guys, man, who if you were like 25 and just decided to go for it in that way, man, you could have had like plat squads. Because as it was, man, you had when you were like in, in shape for bodybuilding, great quads, man. I've always had bottom, been bottom heavy. I appreciate that, though. But you know what I mean? I've never actually focused on them that much, aside from a set of extensions at the end just for, you know, pumping a burn or something. I've never done a lot of front squats. I've always done yeah. no, I don't more like a powerlifter kind of squat. And the squat yeah. has always been about the weight, not, you know, like mind and the muscle, like all, everything else I do. Everything the interest, I do. The interesting like, thing is I think your stance has gotten wider over the years, and I think which is the complete opposite of me because – well, actually, no, it's not the opposite. But the point being is, like, when I was a bodybuilder, I always started very, very narrow. Like, you know, like, I, my natural tendency is to be have, like, you know, total Olympic-style squats. That's my... That's, that's but my you were night. strong like that, too. Oh, extremely strong. And then I tried when I transitioned to powerlifts, and I thought, you know, okay, well, now I have to. You know, you have this thing in your head where, okay, I have to now power squat. You know, so without really thinking about it, you say, oh, I'll go wide. And I struggled for many years with that. And... In the last few years, I've just decided, screw it, go with go, go with what you know, and I've just brought my stance back in, and you know, people laugh at me at meets because I'm squatting like an Olympic lifter, but you know what? Whatever, it's just it, you know, it's it's whatever's comfortable for you. So it is, and I'll tell you, like when I watch Phil deadlift, you know, Phil, you sort of at the top of your movements in your videos, I've mentioned this before, but yeah. you sort of snap your knees together. You know, you yeah. have a very kind of unique, you know finishing move there yeah. and I think yeah. in the same way I mean, you can tell you're using the parts of you that are very strong you yeah. know and that's sort of similar to when I squat is because I tend to go wide I've got a big rear end and big hamstrings and you know I can just I, I very naturally sit deep and push from the heels and a lot of people you have to teach them not to do or you know you have to teach them to do that and not to yeah. limbo yeah. you know because they'll be on their toes and bending oh, yeah. back and well, all that's, that sort yeah, of that, that, I think yeah. that nine times out of ten that, that is the first thing that you notice on people as they oh, yeah. rise up on the balls of their feet for sure yeah, yeah. yeah. so I mean I don't know so it, I think some people are just built a certain way and you mm-hmm. you, you, you you just tend your your natural movement tends to follow the groove that your muscle insertions and your skeleton enjoys you know you know yeah. this, this brings up a, I know that we're running out of time here but you know that brings up a, a, a short little segment we should just talk about which I think is very interesting and I've always said that you know people always talk about you know resistance training or really any sort of physical activity but certainly anything where you're you know lifting it, lifting implements of some you really do you know, everybody talks about the benefits of you know strength and the benefits of you know, um, bone density and all these types of things. People don't talk about just the benefit from of body awareness. You know, like you just you just gain so much body awareness oh. doing anything physical. You know, weight training, whatever it is, you you, you start really and you know you're talking about this long about you know you start playing around with all these different ways. Your you know your feet are this way, your knees are that way, your hips are pushing this way. And I mean, think about this. I mean, I and I don't think we ever do as athletes. We don't realize just how much body awareness we glean from this when the average person you know doesn't even you know their biggest thing is. You know, standing up in the toilet. You know what I mean? They never even consider. I think, though, Rob. I think it also has to do with the fact that we're all more or less familiar with at least gross anatomy. Mm. You know, like skeletal and muscular anatomy. So you go to the doctor, and you know, or even if you don't go, you could kind of envision 
what's going on, like what the problem might be. Yeah. Now, sometimes we know just enough to hurt ourselves, probably, because we're not <laughs> physicians, you know. But at the same time, yeah, the average person, like, I sometimes I forget they look at they look at their own arm like a cylinder. They don't think what's in there, uh, you know, triceps, biceps, brachialis, brachioradialis. They don't they don't think like that, yeah. you know. And when they go to a doctor, like, uh. The inner part of my elbow hurts, and it's like, well, that's not your elbow at all. That's, you know, it's your biceps insertion or, you know what I mean? And uh, anyway, I I think the years in the gym and the bit of education that we all gleam in in one form or another has a big impact on that that awareness, too. Well, I think that's true, but I think just the body awareness of moving around. One great example is I deal with a bunch of kids, and I can tell a huge difference between the ones who are active and they play outside and play sports all the time in their body wears and the ones that are like uh, video game junkies. You know, I can take two of the different kids, and I, I've got one kid in mind here that's just a natural, and I, you tell him something, and he knows how to do it. Uh, he just knows how to put his body there, even though he's never done it. And then, yeah. you know, I take some of the other kids, and telling them to, like, set their, their lumbar, uh, is it, it'll take me a two-hour session to get them to do that. And it's like... What are you talking about? Even when you show them, and it's like they just have no clue how to do it. They don't know how to fire the right muscles. Yeah, I think neuromuscular education <laughs> yeah. is more. Although I, I still think it, it it has a lot to do with understanding anatomy. Like oh, you're yeah. saying, it, a lot of this is proprioception, right, or kinesthetic yeah. awareness. Like yeah. where am I in relation to my feet, or yes. how yeah. am I tilted? Am I straight up and down? It's amazing how some people, when they don't have any kind of physical activity in their lives, they, they don't. They they got no clue. They got yeah. no clue. Until like you sort of like, <laughs> you've got to almost train them up, like rehab them. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Pretty interesting stuff. Uh, as we wrap up, I, I thought it might be fun to throw in, uh, just change gears. Final thoughts on uh, maybe random workout tune. Oh. Uh, Rob, you're like uh, the connoisseur, but I know Phil like Phil's a Slayer guy, and he likes to listen to some of the same stuff a lot. But let's 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 just throw out and before we wrap up here, just very briefly. Uh, something that people might want to go download on iTunes or try this week. What do you think, Rob? Oh, geez. Well, I mean, you know, it, be, besides all my, you know, um, standbys for working out with, uh, which is basically Annihilator and, and Meshuga, those are big standbys. Lately, the uh, the band, the death metal band Nile, has released Nile. their new. Their, yeah, they've released their new album. This is their seventh, I believe. And the new album is called At the Gate of, of Sethu, I guess you pronounce it. it just oh, are, aren't they like the Egyptian version of Amon Amarth? Yeah. You, you yeah. got it. They, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Carl Sanders, the, the, uh, the guitar player, kind of leader of the band, he's, he's obsessed and he's, at, he's extremely well read about all these types of things. And he, uh, pens a lot of the lyrics from like the Book of the Dead and all those kind of things. And all their albums are, yeah, there's seven albums <clears throat> and they just released the new one. At the gate of Sethu, and it's, uh, they've got one of the best death metal drummers now going, George Kalias, a Greek guy. Um, and they're just, uh. Can you pick a tune, dude? Oh, a specific tune. Oh, I know man. that's hard for you. Yeah, because when you're listening to a lot of metal, metal is more album based than song based, which is kind of yeah, like the opposite of like pop music, which is. Just pick a song. I don't, I can't really think of a specific <laughs> song because I just bought the album last week. Just so pick I'm a not, damn song. Pick a song, bastard! Um. Um, okay, here's here's a song by and, and uh, Phil and I were talking about this um, before we start the show. There's a, there, there's a very underground traditional American heavy metal band called Steel Prophet, 
and they had an album called Book of the Dead. Um, I think it was like 2001. And on that is a song called Anger, Anger Seething. So if any of you people go on YouTube, I'm sure it's on there. Um, if you go on there and check it out, check that song, listen to the lyrics. I mean, it's, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, as I'm talking to you guys right now, I'm gonna see if it's even on here. Yes, it is on there. YouTube, Seal Prophet, Anger Seething. So go on there. That's my, that's, that's my pick for the day. Phil, what do you got? You got anything? Yeah, I've been listening to some older stuff, but uh, some Motorhead and stuff like that. But my song for today is uh, Ministry, Jesus Built My Hot Rod. Oh. It's <laughs> a good song. Old nice. School. Nice one. <laughs> yeah. You know what? My son's got, he's getting into Motorhead. He's, uh, oh, he, he, Rob, you'd be proud of him. He's, he's educating himself well, you know. Good. But good. Uh, I'm going to throw out one old, oldie but goodie, too. I just, this is just uh, random iTunes. I saw it, and I'm like, Yeah. Sometimes you like those long tunes, you know, that go on for like eight, ten minutes, you know. Sure. Uh, this is Iron Maiden for the greater good of God. It's over nine minutes long. Yep. Uh, you can get it from iTunes, you know, rehash some of the old uh, Iron Maiden and uh, get the workouts rocking. Right on. Okay, All guys. Right. All right. That was a good show. Until next week. Yeah, stay strong, people. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes. Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications, and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the liter- literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however, obviously I've done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If 
you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.